0: Welcome to the REI Foundation Podcast, where we cover all the steps and strategies to make your real estate dreams a reality. Now, your hosts, Jason and Peely. Hi, everybody, and welcome again to the REI Foundation Podcast with Jason and Peely. Today, we have the amazing Julita Moss joining us. Welcome.
1: Hello. Hello. And it is Jolita, but you know, oh, ah, I always say it wrong, Jolita. <laughs> yeah, it's okay. I so bad. It's the it's the Mexican version of Julita is spelled the same way. So no big deal. Anyway, I said your name wrong, so we're even. <laughs> That's
0: true. We we both have interesting names. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. That. Nope. <laughs>
2: nope. <laughs> well, I'm gonna steer this back on track here. So, well, yeah. welcome to the show. Thank, Thank you so you. much. Why don't you give us a little background on yourself and how you got started in real estate?
1: Okay. Well, um, started in 2005 full-time. I was in corporate America 14 years. Company was bought out. And then at that time, I was given a great opportunity to do what I love to do. I had rental properties when I was working in the corporate environment and decided that that's the route that I wanted to go and explore and You know, I started small and actually just kind of took it one step at a time very slowly and just started kind of growing my portfolio year after year. So 2004, bought a house. 2005, bought two houses. 2006, bought seven houses. So as the time progressed, I just started to build the portfolio and did a little bit of um, flipping during that time. Did not do any wholesales until the last two years. Um, but the, my main goal was, um, owning property and owning single family residents at the time. So
2: there's a are. lot of great stuff there. So one of the first things I'd ask is you, you have a corporate job and you decided to buy rental properties. What, yeah. what was the urge that gets you into there?
1: Well, I mean, it came from a family that owned properties, um, some, some real estate, you know, in my family. So that was kind of in my blood and having a full-time career job made it easy to go to the banks to get a loan. Um, And it was just something I loved. My husband and I at the time loved to work on the houses. So, you know, at 20 years old, 21 years old, you know, we decided that that's what we wanted to do was to buy houses. And, you know, first we were fixing them up and selling them and then eventually just decided to keep, the ones that we fixed up. And you know, it started kind of as weekend projects and after work and uh and it soon became a little bit more difficult because we then started a family and had three kids and full time two full time jobs and traveling and it was it was really tough. Very tough.
0: Let's talk a little bit more about that, the mindset of Starting your family and you're already progressing in this business that can definitely eat up your time so how did you how did you balance the two family and business
1: Well for me personally, family always came first, and that was um something from our you know in our life that we determined is that our kids were always to be put first before any jobs uh, any careers and But at the same time, you know, we had goals, we had dreams, we wanted a good future for our kids, we wanted good retirements. And so we really just started with a plan. I mean, honestly, at 20 years old, 22 years old, we had goals and we had things, you know, we wanted to accomplish. And by, at that time, you know, when we started with our kids, we didn't do a great job of yearly looking at things. But on a on a global bigger picture, we we knew where we wanted to be. you know, we knew that we wanted to own real properties. We knew that we wanted our kids to go to Catholic schools, so we knew we had to make a certain amount. So we, you know, there were just things that were um, really important to us as a family. And you know, everybody's situations different. Everybody's goals are different. everybody's their income needs are different. And um, that was probably the hardest thing you know, for us was to not judge and not, you know, look at somebody else and say, what do they have and what don't I have? It was, it was more about what was, what was important to us and how do we accomplish those things?
2: Nice. So after 14 years with a company, how did you just make the jump after that company, just not yeah. go back into the corporate world and go out there and just take the risk. And it seemed you're set up. So you, you've been doing these. So it wasn't a brand new venture, but just that you talked a bit about having certain certain levels, you know, your kids going to Catholic school and other points, but now you're going into this world where there's no guaranteed income. There's no weekly paycheck. Uh, that's a struggle for a lot of people. What told you it was the right time to make that move?
1: Uh, I mean, I was fortunate enough that the company that I was with, I did get a severance. So that kind of gave me a good cushion to, um, take that risk, but, um, probably more importantly, it was just the desire. It was the desire that I did not want to go back into a corporate job. Uh, you know, I worked, I worked 40 hour week job plus having three kids Rental properties. I mean, there was a lot of things going on in my life that I determined that that's just not what I want. I didn't want that life anymore, and I'm not. Um, I'm not real good at the politics, and I didn't want to go back to a, another corporate environment. So I just, you know, I just made it up in my mind that it wasn't going to be a matter of you know how successful I was going to be. It was just a matter of when and how. And I'm very fortunate that I have a great support system. You know, my family's very close uh, to me. So, you know, if I had to have a Saturday showing, or I had to do things, I had help. And, you know, like everybody says, it takes a village to raise your kids. And we all know that. (laughs) Uh, And I definitely had that support, uh, you know, from my husband at the time. And then, you know, um, you just, just, you just take it in strides. And you just, You know, my theory was always do something, even if it's wrong. You know, if you do, if you just sit around and wait and go to classes and listen and listen to podcasts and but do nothing, then you're never going to get anywhere. So, I mean, there's a lot of things looking back, how many mistakes that I made, how many things that I would have done differently now. But if I wouldn't have done them, I wouldn't have been able to grow and I wouldn't have been able to learn and I wouldn't be able to now own twenty properties over twenty years. So it's amazing.
0: Let's delve a little bit more into that. I mean, let's you have an incredible mindset. And I know at some point you became a single mother as well. Mm-hmm. So how do you for, for anybody out there that has is like thinking about all the excuses of why not, how did you get over that why not? How did you have the faith in yourself to take that jump and stay and stay the course?
1: I guess again back to the passion it was I never felt like it was work it was really more about just i enjoy i enjoy it I still enjoy it parts of it there's <laughs> still it's it's a job i mean you know it's not a get rich overnight scheme it's it's not easy you know people can sit around and say oh it's great whatever but there's days that you want to give up and there's days that you want to just throw in the towel and believe me, there were many a days that I would reach out to a friend or reach out to my mom or reach out to somebody and say, I think I just need to go back to corporate America. And, you know, it was a steady job. It was a steady income. I got a paycheck every two weeks. I had insurance. Um, But, uh, you know, when, when the time passed and the, and the little ugliness would pass, then I I would refocus again and, you know, um, stay energized and, that's the other thing that I can you know, say about staying focused is sometimes you have to just break away from it, take a vacation, go to the park, get away from your desk. Um, we all, a lot of us work at home and it's, that was a hard transition for me when I left corporate America that I'd been working in a company for 14 years, going to work at seven o'clock every week and every day, coming home at five o'clock making dinner, doing baths, you know, all that. And and then to wake up and say, nobody has, nobody's telling me what to do. Nobody's giving me a budget to work with. Nobody's giving me any KPIs that I have to meet. Had to figure all of it out by myself. And being in groups like we're in, seven-figure flipping, six-figure flipping, you know, I did that as well when I first started. Um, I did a group in Atlanta For a year and a half, very similar to ours. It was a a little bit different from the standpoint of um, it was a much bigger group, but I did personal coaching. I did um, every eight weeks. I drove to Atlanta and went and got trained. So, you know, it's really about making the commitment to your education. Uh, My mentor at the time, who now is my acquisitions person, (laughs) um uh, talk awesome. <laughs> <yeah. laughs> About full circle. Yeah. Um he told me the very when I when I was leaving Brown Williamson, the one thing he said to me is well, as we were leaving lunch, I was like, Well, what advice would you give me? And he said, The best advice I can give you is um uh, invest in your education. And he said, You don't know how many people I go to lunch with, people that say they want to get in the business and whatever, and they never do any of that. They, they talk about it, but they don't really do anything about it. And that's really, you know, what kept me on track is growing and learning and trying, you know, when I first started going to those classes and they started talking subject twos and lease with options, I, mean, I had no clue. I mean, it was like a foreign language and to understand and to, but to keep hearing it and to hear it and then to come back and do it It was like an opening, you know, your ear, you know, that they say about you only hear it when you're ready to hear it or you only see it when you're ready to see it. I mean, it's still I mean, I've been doing this now for 20 plus years and we go to the classes and I hear something that I've known for 10 years. But because I hadn't experienced it or I hadn't lived through it, then all of a sudden when I have, then it's like, oh, that's what it means or that's that's how it relates to me. So. You know that whole thing about the education is just really, really important,
0: Wow, that's so amazing i mean that was that was actually my next question I was going to add. I was going to ask you how did you learn? how did you find the mentors, but you hit it right on the nail uh, education is so key i mean in any anything you do in life, but especially in real estate investing without the education you're you're kind of a sitting duck you can't you can't get anywhere right
1: right, yeah. And so many people seem to, you know, every time I go to a conference, they, it's almost like they think that, you know, it's like you learn. And I think sometimes they think, are you not getting it? You know, because you keep going. <laughs> but it's one of those things that just evolve. I mean, just like technology changes, medicine changes, everything, real estate, real estate has changed dramatically in the 20 years that I've been doing it from the technology, the um, You know, it's still the same game. It's still buy low and sell high. I mean, it's no different. It's just a matter of how we're doing it and the competition that we have, the shows that are on TV, and the education that the sellers now have. I mean, it's just a different, a different arena. Um, Getting, you know, getting loans. Two thousand five. I mean, anybody could get a loan. Two thousand four, two thousand five, two thousand six, and then we all know what happened in two thousand seven and two thousand eight and the, our whole world changed, my world included. And, you know, at that time, all I could do was just hunker down and um, just survive. It was really a mode of survival. I, I did not give, I did not miss a payment. I never was late on a payment, but it was hard. Those years were def- definitely difficult. And, uh, but it's made me learn also not to over leverage and not to uh, overextend my credit and not to, to do the things that I've seen other people do. And, um, so all good lessons. And, and as we, you know, continue to go forward. And as you all know, now I'm including my children, my, my kids into this business. And it's like, (laughs) so how's that going? It's going very well. Actually, Evan finishes, my Otis finishes, In December, and he's coming on full time. So it's scary in the sense of, um, you know, I've supported him for 23 years, but now the thought is always that when they graduate college, they'll be on their own. Well, now, you know, he's coming along with me, but he's been actually been doing dispositions for the last six months, and you know, learning. As y'all know, he came, he's coming to a lot of the, the conferences and getting on the calls and really going to jump into their full time. And then Adam, my young, the middle one, same thing. And then Jacob will, he's a freshman in college. So, you know, we'll just move them right along. And if they want to do real estate, which they seem to all want to, that's great. I always tell them though, do what you love because I don't know if you all have seen that thing on Facebook about, you know, you have this amount of time, you know, when you're going to school and then you have this amount of time when you retire and this amount of time is for all these years you have to work. You better love what you do because that's a big old chunk of time. <laughs> you gotta, you know, you gotta fill your days and you gotta fill your life with things that make you happy. And, and again, it's not every day. I'm not ecstatic every single day and there's the hard days, but for the most part, it gives me the freedom because that was the other thing when my kids were in grade school, I wanted the opportunity to be that parent that could go on field trips. I wanted that be that parent that when they got home from school that I was there with their homework and I wanted to be that um, supportive. And now again, you know, now that they're older, now I can focus more on my business and growing the business. And during those years, it was a matter of just, Growing my portfolio slowly and consistently, and not spending um, unresponsibly because I'm I'm a conservative person by nature, mm-hmm. um, and but you know the planning part is critical as far as you know when you when you're when you have a plan it's easy to stick to your plan if you if you look at it each day or you know every week or every month um, to kind of know where you're going it's like you know, a roadmap.
2: Well, let's talk about your business. What, what is the current focus of your business day in and day out?
1: Right now, it's uh, in the last year, it's been mainly on the wholesaling side. Um, again, you know, I have 20 properties in my rental pro- portfolio. Um, last year, I did five flips and about three wholesale deals. This year, it's like only three flips and about 13 wholesale deals. So, it really, this past year has all been, and since I joined the group, it's all really been about my systems. So, it's been setting up the Facebook pages, setting up the website, setting up the CRM system. I mean, it is, I really felt like this last eight or nine months that my buying capacity has been lower because my attention has been on building the systems and building the structure. And not going out on the appointments. And I did hire a bookkeeper. So that helped helped tremendously. I hired the acquisitions person, as I mentioned, that, mm-hmm. you know, he's my mentor. Um, so, but it's been very slow. It's not been, uh, I'm not, I don't have the growth. I, I'm not here yet. You know? It's but coming. I'm, I'm de- yeah, it's definitely coming. And the foundation, that's my whole thing is, yes. I'm trying to set the foundation because I know it will, I I'm, I'm living proof that it does work that if you stick to it and you don't give up and that's hard to do. And i have I've been guilty of stopping my marketing and then all of a sudden my, you know, my calls stop. And I did that because, you know, I was doing a lot of things by myself. I was a one man show for 18, 20 years and, uh, now I've realized that I definitely have to, you know, I need help to grow, to be able to grow the business.
0: Nice. And talking about the help that she's are going off with the help she's uh, talking about is uh, Justin Williams and House Flipping HQ. His coaching programs are House Flipping Formula, Six Figure Flipping, Seven Figure Flipping, and now Eight Figure Flipping. Correct. Right. Uh, and both... Both Julita and I and Jason are part of the seven figure flipping community, and it has skyrocketed our businesses. And we're in the same boat where, like, we are focused on creating sound foundations for our business because without the foundation, you really don't have anything. You need to have that foundation, you need the systems in place to really, really take your business where you want it to go. It also
2: allows you to break through the ceiling because you see other people doing things that. Just catastrophic levels that you're not associated with within your day in and day out. And when you see so many other people accomplishing so many different amazing things, it makes it so much easier for you to reach that level. So you can take that next step very easily. And now, 10 steps farther past that, you're not even close to the guys that are way down the track. And, and right. you're saying, okay, well, that's attainable. Yes. So now, how do we get to those steps?
1: That's exactly
0: right. That's amazing. And, but still, I mean, take a look at your growth. I mean, you have those 20, 20, uh, uh, homes in your portfolio last year you did three wholesales and seven flips. Is that what you said? Five and uh, three, yeah. And, three. Yes. and this year you did three flips Four. and 13, so you're yeah. still doing more deals this year than you did last year. So, kudos to you! Congratulations! Huge,
1: huge, It's yeah. not over yet. No, it is not. And again, <laughs> it's about um, consistency. I yes. mean, I've learned if nothing else. That I've learned is trying to stay consistent and it doesn't mean that, you know, you doesn't, don't change your marketing channel or you don't adjust it. Um, you know, a perfect example is my bandit signs. My bandit signs have worked so well through the year and I got busy. My assistant didn't order them. We didn't, we just kind of missed it. And so here we were with no signs and Now I look at my numbers and I can see, I can see we didn't put any signs up because there's no calls coming in on bandit signs. There's no, you know, so it definitely just goes to prove it's hard. It's hard to set aside that money though, because every, you know, we've talked about this in our our group, you know, to set aside the money for the Facebook or set aside the money for the direct mail. It's very difficult, especially if you're working with a Set budget, and that is all that you have to work with. Um, And we all, I mean, none of us have unlimited budgets, so you have to make those hard choices about what's working. And I'm getting better at this. One of the things that I haven't been really good at in the past is doing my KPIs and seeing what's working and what's not working. And I'm realizing, yeah, (laughs) I'm realizing that that is key. I mean, because how can I tell, you know, how can I tell soon to be Evan what new marketing channels or what is working and not working if I don't know? So, you know, really digging into that this last month. I mean, I really have dug into my, uh, and you know, what I'm finding out is some of our leads that are coming in, we're not doing a very good job. The ones that are for that week. Yeah, we're doing great. We do great follow-up. Russ does great He's a great communicator and he follows up with them well. But when, the, when they get down and they start kind of dropping and we haven't heard from them for two weeks or three weeks, they have the tendency to just kind of fall off the face of the earth. And that's money we spend. So yeah. I'm really making an effort to uh, my, my, my new thing is no lead left behind. So it's yes. like we are going to work that lead until we bug the crap out of them or they've sold the house or whatever. So
0: until you can't work it anymore.
1: So we can't work it anymore. And also one of the other big, huge things that I'm focusing on this, this until the end of the year that we've been working on the last couple of months um, is the niche list, because I really want to be more, a little bit more ninja. I mean, after our last meeting, that was kind of a takeaway for me is that um, and then when I look at my numbers, when I see the, the deals that I've done the best on, are the ones that not everybody's going after, and so, you know, the driving for the dollars and the yes. the probates and the, you know, the code violations and things that take a little bit more effort than just going to buy buying a list. You know, my equity list does not pull cool real well. Maybe it's my market, or maybe it's because I haven't done it long enough just yet. But um, the ones that we do the best on are have a tendency to be our niche. And, and, you know, the Les Pendants, even though those all come with their own problems in itself, you know, we just, you know, I just try to work with, make sure that Russ understands when he goes to a lead, this has came in through an Les Pendants. So know the situation. So he's aware that they're behind and whether they want to talk about it or not, that's how I know that they're behind because we, we know that we got them from that list. So really just being a little bit more, um, um, like you said, ninja, ninja. Yeah. Taking the information of what we have and making sure that we're all aware of it and and using it to the best of our knowledge and using it for the follow up, and using it in our systems and our CRM and setting up automated processes to them.
2: Nice. What's something in your business right now that you are really focusing on? So you you talked right now about, about being niche list, but what's something that's, that's been a struggle for you currently in your business that you're working with your team to improve on?
1: Um, probably the biggest one has been the follow-up, you know, just, um, making sure that, because when, when Russ, the acquisitions person gets overloaded, obviously what happens is those other leads just kind of get pushed to the wayside and that follow-up doesn't get, um, doesn't, you know, we don't, we're not using that to the best of our ability. So setting up systems for that. So doing a lot of the automated, the voice blast, the emails and the text messages that are going out out of the investor fuse, that's probably been the biggest. And then also, um, which now I'm there, but, it took me a couple months to get there is to automate the direct mail. So, because in the past I was, it was one of those that we would do the list and then every week it would be like, okay, well, who's, you know, who goes where and you know, how many are we going to send out and all that. And mm-hmm. and so now we went with a company that literally this is the schedule. So for 12 weeks, they know every, every week, how many go out and who goes out. And we're building off of that. So we started out with fifteen hundred, and then what we've done is added little small buckets. And whether that's when when the four week time comes around for the um, niche list after four weeks, then they're going to get a postcard. So now they get dumped into there. So that fifteen hundred now is up to twenty five hundred, and we'll just kind of keep building that to try to stay in that uh, twenty five hundred a week. So mm-hmm. really, more so of just. Taking away the thinking and taking away the doing and making it more automated. So now it's just they have everything on file. They just, I mean, we don't even do anything. Now, when that 12 week time comes up, you know, we will provide them with a new list and there'll be some things that we have to do there, but not every single week because what was happening is, you know, they had to have the files on Thursday, on Wednesday. We were scrambling around, you know, trying to get them a list. Sometimes we would, sometimes we wouldn't. So
0: yeah, that sounds like it's much better this way (laughs) automate everything systems. Aren't they crazy?
1: Yes, it is. I don't know why it's taken me so long.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I was just going to say in the 20 plus years that you've been doing this, you must have some awesome stories. Can you tell us of like one great story, either a win or, or a lesson learned that you could share with our
1: community? Yeah, probably, um, the biggest, I don't want to say it's one win, One of the best approaches for me is uh, creative financing. I love creative financing. So that's always my big plug to people is just because it doesn't fit in this little box of the person wanting to sell. Don't close your mind to the fact that there's lots of different ways to approach it. I mean, if they're set on a certain price, give them that price if they will do owner financing at 3% or 4% interest or Something, I mean, it has to be a win-win. I get that. But if there's a good house or a good apartment or good something, think about the long-term, not just the short-term gain, but if that house appreciates for 6% for the next 10 years and I can get this guy to get it paid four and five or seven or eight or whatever, you know, don't leave those, especially for, you know, some people don't like the more educated sellers. I personally do because they understand they understand the tax implications. They understand that if they have a capital gain, then they're going to pay this huge tax on, you know, so you don't have to educate them. Some some you do. I mean, when some people inherit these, you know, $150,000 house, do so they understand they're going to be hit with a big tax burden? You know, if you can educate them, I, I've probably gotten more deals from telling and explaining people to them, let's do an installment plan. Um, let's do something where... Um, I pay you payments. I just did one in the fall, of uh, last fall with a gentleman that, I mean, he was stuck on a price. He was not going to move off the price. No investor would give him the price. Uh, I gave him the price, but he didn't get it till I sold the house. So, you know, I was, a, I didn't have to go get financing. I didn't have to pay any, you know, no, no payments to him. So it, it worked out in the end, you know, he was happy. I was happy and, uh, it, it was all good. So, always just say don't if it doesn't fit in one box, see if it'll fit in another box or you know, see if it'll um because if you don't ask, you're never gonna know. Um many times people don't even under don't even know to even throw that out there. So if you don't tell them and if you you know if you don't educate them on how what you can do and I mean I'm fortunate now that I have a good um referral like um so, like, whenever I do that, I always put on, you know. So, when I make an offer to somebody, I'm usually making them three offers. One offer is going to be a uh, an equity offer where I'm giving them very. Can little. We run
2: money. through a a basic scenario just so there's some context. It yeah, yeah, just sure. to, um, can yeah. be anything. Hundred thousand dollar house, three different.
1: Thousand dollar house. Offer one's going to be five thousand dollars at closing, Um, no payments, and ninety five thousand dollars when I sell the house. Yeah, so. Uh, second scenario is going to be $10,000 at closing. Uh, but the sales price will be 90. So in other words, because what I do is I go through the scenario with them as far as what their equity is. So like if if they're sitting there and I say, well, you know, if you have to get a real estate agent, you've got to do these repairs at the end of the day, what you really have in equity is a hundred thousand dollars. You think it's 150, but you've got all these expenses you got $30,000 of repairs, et cetera. So we're down to a hundred thousand. Okay. So a hundred thousand is my starting point. So hundred, so offer a, as I mentioned, 5,000 and then 95,000 offer two is 10,000. And now I'm lowering his equity. So lowering the equity to be 90,000. So 10,000 at closing 80,000, whenever I sell the house, and then automatically offer three is a cash offer of, 60 grand. And then I say to them, obviously, because every person has a different scenario. Some people need that cash and they're going to say, I don't care how much you're willing to offer me in equity six months from now. I need the money right now. Versus somebody else who has a job, has income, but they want the most out of their parents' house or their brother's house. So they they, they can sit and wait for their equity. So you're giving them a different scenario and you're giving them Things to think about, and then all, and then always the last one is, I'll give them the hundred thousand. Um, if and and this is, you know, usually if they're, I've already kind of talked about the seller financing a little bit, and I understand, and I I know that they're not in a desperate situation. If I know that, then I'm automatically going for the for the seller financing. So that could be long term. That could be like. Um, for an example, I just did a duplex and the guy did not necessarily need the money right away. He wanted what he wanted and I gave it to him and we set up a structure that was good for him and it works for me. So, you know, it's just really every scenario and every house has a different story. There's nothing that's like I can just hand to my son and say, this is what it's going to be for this house because every single one of them is different. Um so, you know, again, just giving that seller options and listening to their needs, you know what is their need? Their need is that they, you know, where that five, ten thousand dollars comes into play, a lot of times they'll say, "Well, I need ten thousand dollars because uh, I got a kid that's going to college and um, whatever. so so they're willing to take a little bit more cash and less equity, but they don't need it all right away. and And again, I educate them about, do you understand that if you get this hundred thousand dollars, What's your Have you talked to your accountant? Have you talked to your attorney? Do you understand the tax implications of what this is going to mean for you? And that goes, you know, sometimes they do. Sometimes they do understand because they have, you know, they have talked to them. Sometimes they don't even think about that at all. They don't. That hasn't been on their radar. They've never dealt with having to sell homes and they live in a home. But now they've inherited this problem or this asset that they didn't even know how to deal with. So wow. Thank you. Everybody out there that's listening, rewind
0: that. I do this a lot, but you do need to rewind that about, uh, let's say about three, five minutes and re-listen to everything. She just explained to you how to do seller financing. Listen to that at least 10 times and then go do it. (laughs) <laughs>
2: no, it's great. I mean, did you think about it that you you, you get these textbook scenarios of seventy percent of ARV minus repairs and there's there's your offer and that sounds wonderful, but you have to understand that it's it's about helping sellers and finding their mm-hmm. situation yes. and what's the situation that's gonna work for them that can ultimately work for you too. So yes. thank you so much.
1: Thank you. Thanks. I appreciate that. No, that's
0: mm-hmm. no, thank nice. you for that value add. Nice. That was awesome.
2: So where does your business go in five years? Where where are you? Where's your direction?
1: Well, I'm hoping to be sitting on a beach drinking <laughs> drinks and just collecting checks. No, <laughs> I mean, Evan, you know, honestly, you know, I just hit 50 this year. So my goal was, you know, at, at 50 to have a retirement plan of 10, you know, 10 to 15 houses paid for. I'm not quite there. I do have some because when I left the corporate job, I mean, I had a 401k and I had all that. And when you leave a corporate job, you don't have that cushion anymore. So you have to. And so my house is, you know, to me, when I left in 2004, the houses were my retirement. And, you know, I've done things like, you know, setting up the self-directed IRAs. And so I did a lot of that up front to take care of myself going forward. And, um, so I, you know, five years, I, you know, I'm hoping that they are growing this business to the, to where they want it to be. And, and, you know, I'll be there supporting them and helping them and, and probably, you know, maybe doing some other things. I don't know yet.
2: Uh, that's perfect.
1: Real estate will always be in my blood and always be, you know, i always tell people I'll never retire because I don't really feel like for the most part, I don't ever feel like it's work. Um, I probably will get out of the property management piece of it for sure. But that definitely will not be in my life in the next five years. Um, but in some, some, you know, in some way, it, something will be there. So
2: it's great. It's yeah. great. And now, if you have a new investor who is possibly looking to get started, what would be something in actual step you would tell them right now to do?
1: Oh, gosh. Network, network in the RIA groups or the, you know, whatever, whatever their groups are there. Um, Latch on to somebody that is doing the business. Make a friend, go to lunch, take them to lunch. Um, You know, especially if you're working a full time job, raising a family. I mean, maybe it's not something you can do right away, but you can certainly learn a little bit at a time and you can make a connection with um, somebody that's doing the business. I mean, we all love to teach. We all love to, mm-hmm. uh, have somebody, um, you know, latch onto you. And, and, uh, you know, that's the great thing about this business is there's not, there's so much, there's so much out there that there's no competition, really. I mean, you know, we all end up sometimes at the same houses, but at the end of the day, you know, there's enough to go around for everybody. Yeah. So yeah. don't be scared to, you know, reach out to an investor or reach out to an agent, you know, depending on what they wanted to do. But networking is something that I didn't get to do a lot of when I was um, younger because I was a single parent. I was, you know, doing the soccer and football and baseball <laughs> every night. And uh, and that's something that I, I don't, I don't want to say that I'm not paying for it now, but I don't have a lot of those relationships with agents or other investors that some of my counterparts do um, because I didn't have that. So now, now that's what I'm doing. So, you know, reaching out and doing other things. And um, I was always, my, in the head was just, when I had time to work on the business, I had to work on the business and not network. But, you Good know, choice. when I had, when I had a job, I mean, I certainly went to lunch, you know, so I, I just call and see if I could go to lunch with somebody or, or you know,
0: takes, it alone. Yeah,
1: yeah exactly. <laughs> right. 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 And, you know, and the whole thing, education, that's my other big plug is do the podcast, read. I mean, I, my kids, it's amazing. Uh, honestly, they're 23, 21, and 19, and they are listening to more podcasts than I listen to. They're, my son, last night for his birthday, he he, he ordered um, the Zig Ziglar books. That's what he wanted for his birthday. Huh. Wow. That's great. 21 years old you know that's amazing Um, yeah my youngest my 19 year old is um he's one of my private lenders he had a thousand dollars and he wanted to back in the summer he said because he here you know he would hear me talking and so he um negotiated <laughs> wow. Twelve gotcha. percent on his one thousand dollars. Yeah, good for him. Yeah,
0: that's. Huge. Um, I'm sure he knows like what that what that twelve percent is going to get him in the future. Yes. To the penny. Yeah,
1: yeah. because you know, and that's part of uh, the whole education as well is just to make sure that. And he, you know, I've sat down with him and made him understand, showed him how that thousand dollars today, what is that going to be when you're my age, when you're fifty, because. You know, I had, I was fortunate enough to have that from my parents, you know, that yeah. helped me see what compounding interest really can do and how powerful that is. That's cool. And yeah, the younger you start, the better off you are.
0: Love it. We're Our our, uh, our oldest is three. I'm going to start teaching that tomorrow.
1: <laughs> yeah. It's never, <laughs> never too soon. Yeah. That's right. I've always, always um, wanted to um, always talk to my kids and, at one point I tried it and it, it became more of a nightmare than anything is our LG or our electric bills here. When they were little, they would leave on every light, every TV, every fan. So I I, I wanted to, I told them that I was going to do this, that they would get an allowance, but they had to pay the LG and e bill and anything that was left, they would get to keep. Well, that you know, lasted for about a month because it was just too hard for both of us. But it made them at least think about it. And it made them realize, you know, hey, this does cost money to have the TV running when I'm not here or whatever. And uh, little things like that that you really don't think um, affect them really does stick with them. And as they get older and I'm seeing that they really did listen occasionally, you know, that's the best part of this for me, uh, and working with my kids is knowing that, um, I'm really giving them more than just, um, a business. I'm giving them a value and a way of life and, you know, how to be happy and be not just, not just about money, but about freedom and about doing the things you want to do. And, um, you know, well, we're sort
0: of going on that road right now. What? What is your big why?
1: Oh my gosh, my kids, obviously, my family. Um, I also have two brothers and parents that are very active in my life, and those are my why's. I mean, we do family vacations, and we do um, we go to the lake on the weekends, and you know, that's the reason that I do it. I, I want to. Um, I was fortunate enough to have those experiences. Um, My dad was very hard worker. He was in construction business, ran a, uh, you know, ran a very um, hardworking man, uh, worked, you know, on the backhoe, but ran a good business. My mom ran the business from home and he he was out in the field. Um, But what I learned from them also is, and what I'm seeing now is that don't do everything yourself. They they had a good successful business, but they did everything. My mom ran the business. She did the books. She did, and my dad did all the work and managed the construction guys and whatever. And mm-hmm. they they only grew to a certain level. And and again, that's all that they wanted. And you know that was good. And that was very. They lived great lives. they travel all the time now. They have been retired and and living a very good life. And. And that's the whole thing is that, you know, money doesn't buy you happiness. So you've got to figure out what that happiness is for yourself. And for me, it's being with my family.
2: And, nice. Yeah. With some words to live by.
1: Oh, gosh. Um, hmm. <laughs> Treat others like you want to be treated. I'm, I'm a big proponent of, you know, treating people fair. That's why, you know, I, our business is built on referrals, as you all know. And I think if you, you know, you treat someone well, they're going to tell a few other people at least. And, uh, you know, do unto others as you want to be done to. So, um, that's, that's probably the best advice and
2: just stay, stay, you know,
1: stay grounded, stay grounded in remembering who you are, because that's one of the things that I, I think early on in my life, we lost we lost that connection me and my husband at the time we lost that connection because of things that we got sidetracked careers real estate you know we and we diverted from what was really what's supposed to be the most important (laughs) so as you hug your husband there (laughs) <laughs> yes. That is important. Yes. And those date nights and those times that, you know, you think that, oh, you've got to be with your kids. They're never going to remember that you left them one night and went out to dinner, you know? Yeah. And so don't, don't, don't forgo that for sure. Those are very okay, important. That.
2: That's great. Thank you. Yeah. Now, if there's some people out there that that want to find you, say hello or maybe get on your buyers list or or some others, where would yeah. be a great place for them to reach you?
1: Okay. It's uh well I'm gonna spell I'm gonna say it first, then I'm gonna spell it it's silver lining properties. So it's S L P R O properties, however you spell that. P-R-O-T-I-E-S Louisville at gmail.com.
2: Perfect. Got it. Perfect. Perfect. S- properties, make, Louisville at gmail.com. I'll
0: make sure it's correct on our show notes.
2: Thank
1: you. Yes. Oh. Yeah. Thank you all so much. It was awesome. And I'm so happy. That's the other thing that I love when I come to these groups and come to the classes is to see young people and young, you know, couples, especially working together because it's not easy. It's so hard to work together and to figure out not, in each other's lanes and all that kind of stuff. And I commend you guys for sticking with it and, you know, figuring it out, but also staying focused on your relationship and your marriage and keeping the, keeping the business kind of out of there as well.
2: Thank you.
0: Thank
1: you so very much
0: for everything. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you. All. Wow, so much value.
1: Oh, well, good. I'm glad. It has been fun. So I look forward to watching you all grow and doing lots of great things. And, and I'll definitely keep my eyes open for things for you all. So. And we'll good.
0: definitely look, watch and see how you grow as well. Thank you so much for being okay. on our show. Thank you. Well, this is the REI Foundation Podcast with Jason and Peely. Thank you so very much to Julita Moss and thank you. So grateful (laughs) for you and so grateful for everyone who's listening.
1: Oh, thanks. Thank you guys and take care. Bye Bye now. now. Bye.
0: Thanks for tuning into the REI Foundation podcast. Check back next time for more awesome tips and strategies to launch your new you in real estate.